Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, witchcraft and ketchup. Witchcraft is about taking back control. It's about reclaiming your power and taking things into your own hands. I do not, I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way and like throw hexes willy-nilly, but I don't have a problem getting my hands dirty if I need it. I did do, I did put on, um, there was this fast luck oil. I put on fast luck oil to get a bug. Boston cream donut. It worked. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for spending your time with us. So I want to get right to our first guest. Because while this is a practice with deep historical roots, it has become increasingly popular In the last couple of years. This is Frankie Castaneo, perhaps better known as Chaotic Witch Ant. When I think of like witchcraft, Mm -hmm. my mind goes to movies. Oh, yeah. But what what is this really like in modern day? I would say witchcraft is definitely a practice. Um, Depending on who you ask, people are going to have a completely different opinion on it. I come from a tradition in which I practice mainly folk magic, which is referred to the magic of the people. So a lot of the things in my practice are need-based spells, need-based magic. So I look at, okay, what do the people around me need help with? Do they need help with financial stability? What can I do spell-wise and action-wise to help them achieve financial stability? So is is it religious? Or is it different or is it kind of, but not? Witchcraft Witchcraft in itself uh, is a practice that is not religious. You can have a, you can be a pagan where you would work with pagan gods and also be a witch. You can be a Wiccan, which is a very specific pagan religion and also be a witch. Um, Or you can be, you know, a folk Catholic where you uh, invoke the saints for certain things and also be a witch. For me, I don't define myself as a pagan. I just practice um, witchcraft and folk magic. So a lot of my, you know, religious bearings have to do with uh, a very particular goddess that was present in Italy, a Roman goddess. As well as that, I work with the saints. So I kind of have a blend of a bunch of different things. And while my religion has become very intertwined with my witchcraft that's not always the case for everyone i am confused that's okay we're gonna break it down (laughs) yeah is that i guess is that just because it's unfamiliar to me or because there's like okay there's a lot lot. of different things okay it's it's not it's definitely so the large um 
the mainstream media, the mainstream kind of population, all they know about witchcraft is what they see on TV. And which is okay. That's kind of something that, like, every witch knows that, like, when I meet someone and I say I'm a witch, they're going to be like, oh, Harry Potter? Because that's what they know of it. But what it really looks like, um, and this is my personal practice, is I will time up certain things with the phase of the moon or i will cook and set intentions with that setting intentions is basically uh saying this thing is going to help me with this thing but because witchcraft is so broad it's such a broad topic and so many for every single witch that exists we will have a different definition of it Witchcraft, in my opinion, is uh, doing a spell or setting intentions or putting your will out into the universe to get something to happen in return. I also... Go ahead. I see your... <laughs> is, is it any different than the idea of, like, praying for something? When you get right <sighs> down question. to it. So, got it. I think yes and no. It is similar to praying. The difference that I've seen in a lot of witches and the thing that we talk about a lot is that a spell by itself is not going to do anything. And what I mean by that is if I do a spell to get a job interview and I don't actually, or to get a job and I don't actually do any interviews, I don't go out of my way to try and get this job, what is that spell going to do? It may cause a miracle, like a miracle to happen and help me get a job without me applying anywhere. But with every kind of spiritual or metaphysical act we take we have to take an active one an action in return so while is praying sometimes because a lot of the i mean i know a lot of witches that are ex-christians and they said that the difference is with praying praying doesn't fix everything in the same way that doing a spell doesn't fix everything um there's always a little bit of real world action you need to take in order to push it there push it out into the universe i kind of call it spiritual insurance so if i have a feeling that if i know that someone is going to get back to me about a job offer and i'm just using jobs as an example yeah no i get you right it's an um, example and i want to be sure that this is a good offer and it's going to be an offer that i want to take i may do a spell to help with um help with that I was raised Roman Catholic, yeah. and the idea was, right, okay, so you pray on it, you do this kind of thing. But it seems like witchcraft, it's a little bit the same, but then you got to actually go out and do this thing yeah. as well, right? Like, you can't yeah. just pray for the job, you got to update your resume. And that's like, <laughs> hey, look, I'm serious. Yeah. Um, I guess when you cast, like, if you're casting the spell, mm -hmm. like, who are you casting it to? Great question. Or is it the Great spell question. itself? Totally depends on the practitioner because there are so many different witches. I'll speak to my experience. When I cast a spell, I am usually just kind of asking either the universe or a very specific spirit to help me with something. The idea behind a spell is that you take a bunch of things that have energy. So let's say we get a candle, which I have like a spell that I did recently, a candle like this, which is... Uh, referred to as a nine-day candle. It's a block breaker. And then you add some oils and some herbs that may align with your intention for the spell. You may write something on a piece of paper, like uh, intention, 
or a chant or anything. Um, the idea with spellcrafting and casting spells is to raise energy and then kind of push it out. So raising energy can look a lot like very different for very different people. I'm always like a... I do prayers while a spell is going. I'll play, pray the rosary because I have that kind of element of folk Catholicism in my practice. Um, but other people will dance. They'll um, play music. They will meditate or um, go into a trance state in order to kind of bring their energy up and focus their energy on what they want to achieve. So with spellcrafting, we have lots of different methods of doing it. Some people just burn things, like they mix herbs in a piece of paper and they burn it. Some people will, like me, will do like candles, which this one burned for like five days straight. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Dang. we also have like, there are different types of candles too. I love candle magic. It's my favorite thing. Um, but different ways of casting and different ways of kind of raising energy. So the idea is I'm putting all my energy into this candle. I'm putting my intention on the back. I have like what I want written out here. I'm putting herbs to help me help like that align with the spell and oils with it. And then I am praying over it or chanting over it or dancing while it's going to give it more energy. And as it's burning down, that energy is being sent up into the universe, to your guides, to the deity you are praying to, wherever you intend for it to go. Is it results-based, right? Like, yeah. I think of my background kind of in being raised Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. and you prayed, and you prayed, and you did this stuff, and if it didn't happen, then it wasn't God's will, right? It, yeah. That's just not what he wanted to do. Is it re results-based in the sense, like, I cast this spell, it doesn't work? If my spell doesn't what... work, I know I did something wrong. I did something wrong, or one of the people that the spirits that I work with said, we're not doing this and there's a reason. So similar to kind of God's will, if the spell doesn't work, I'm like, maybe it wasn't supposed to happen, but there's also a chance that I messed it up and did it wrong. Most of my spells have worked fine. And there's one that didn't work. And it was because there was an element of the spell out of my control. Then that pissed me off. Um, I can explain. Do you want me to elaborate? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I paid money for something that I got custom made for my partner. And the person I paid it to then basically disappeared off the internet <laughs> and took the money. So they scammed me. And I did a spell to get my money back. Um, but what ended up happening is I did the spell and I basically did what I call a little tripwire i said if you don't give me the money back i'm gonna put like a minor little jinx on you like you're gonna stub your toe every day for a week very basic and they didn't give me my money back so i hope they've stubbed their toe plenty of times because it was a lot of money and i was not happy about it that stubbing the toe is the it is i the, feel like yeah. that's a little bit more major i right? mean like, that hurt <laughs> people the, when we talk about you know baneful magic and hexes i think a lot of people have very very misconstrued ideas of what that looks like. A lot of times, uh, baneful magic, hexes, etc., came from a place of um, of su survival. So we see a lot of more baneful magic in traditions where uh, it was born out of, like, for example, hoodoo, which was born out of African American slaves being brought over. 
We also see that in situations where other things are out of the person's control. They're not coming from a place of privilege or coming from a place where, for example, in Italy, there is a spell, a love spell that you can do to have someone, you know, fall in love with you and stay with you. And part of the reason that exists is because in Italy 20, 40, 50 years ago, if a woman got married to a man and that man fell in love with someone else, she would probably lose a lot of her financial stability if he left her. He would she would be left alone with how many kids. So, you do the love spell to Make sure your husband stays with you and you don't lose that financial security. And that's in a lot of different situations all over the world. Um, love magic, too, is also very present in Brujeria. And it's very important in Brujeria, which is uh, Mexican-American or Latin folk magic. Okay. So people just listening to this, right? The first, if they're skeptical, the thing is going to be like, what What are you talking about? Yeah, right? I like, know. <laughs> is. But is it, I guess, a two-part question, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say to somebody who would be like, what are you talking about? And the other part of that, I guess, would be, is it really that different than the kind of Protestantism, Catholicism? Is it really that different? Or are we just unused to, not used to it, right? Like, Good question. I'm used to going yeah. to church on Sunday, but you're doing what? Like, yeah. it's... Dancing with the devil in the moonlight? Hello? Right. Like yeah. it's... <laughs> so the thing I would say to people who ask what are you talking about is firstly, you know, I try to approach it from especially skeptics or the, um, from the approach of it's okay if you don't give a shit about anything I'm saying. That's kind of where I always come from is the way that I live my life and the way that I kind of go through my life is very much informed by the practice of witchcraft which to me looks like having spells on hand if i need something done having a spiritual team that works with me and helps me through things but not everyone is going to look like that have something have a practice that uh looks like that some people don't work with any spirits or deities or anything some people just do spells and it works for them but I guess I, the metaphor that I like to use when someone's a skeptic is um, breaking it down to kind of more mundane things. So if you have a test tomorrow, you have a midterm test, and you know you have a test, you are going to take time out of your day and study, correct? So you're kind of seeing something that is coming up that you want to do well in, and you are taking actions necessary to do well in it. Witchcraft is very similar with their spells. It's this thing is coming up, or this is an outcome I want. I'm going to do these actions, and also I'm just going to make sure that the universe knows that's where I want to be. And of course, witchcraft is, you know, informed by spirituality. I'm believing that spells have power, and we as humans have the power to make these things happen without the without a god um without anyone around um which is kind of how it's different from christianity is witches are not necessarily praying and praying and hoping someone answers if my spirits don't respond i take matters into my own hands i just say all right i'm gonna do this myself and that's kind of how i go about it it's a huge 
to a lot of people, it's a huge reclamation of power, especially coming out of Christianity, where God's will and God was very important, and this was okay and this wasn't, because witchcraft doesn't really have a set rule book on what to do. Everyone has their own morals and ethics that inform their practice, so my morals and ethics are going to be different from another practitioner's, and we all do our own thing. Some witches are, you know, working with plants very heavily um, to cast spells. Some witches are, like me, are doing heavy spirit work where they're calling on saints or animal spirits or other spirits to help with their work. Some witches, like I said, atheists. They do not believe in gods. They do not think that a divine entity exists. So everything they do is working within their own power and their own paradigm. There's no Bible for witches necessarily, is there? There's no Bible. You do, and I say this like, there, of course there are kind of widespread morals and ethics. Like cultural appropriation is bad. Don't take something from initiatory closed practice when you are not initiated into that practice. Don't, like, we have these kind of set morals and ethics as human beings that inform our witchcraft. But at the end of the day, the history of witchcraft has been very intertwined with the other, with the oppressed, with activism. So when you move into witchcraft, you are picking up a reclamation in the language of something that was used to oppress so many people. It was used to oppress indigenous tribes. It was used to oppress uh, Jewish individuals. It was used to oppress um, people of color. When we think... Um, the terms black magic and white magic. The term black magic, when a lot of people hear that, they automatically think of voodoo and hoodoo or baneful spells. Um, and that's something that media has done is taken voodoo and hoodoo, which are uh, African. Uh, voodoo is an African traditional religion and hoodoo is a practice that is very much um, made by and for African-American individuals. They take that and they demonized it on media. So, and if anyone's listening to this and they're like, I don't think like that, but you did think like that, it's okay. It's definitely something that's very normal in not knowing anything about witchcraft and having these ideas of what good witchcraft and bad witchcraft looks like. Um, we have a lot of people who are coming to witchcraft from the position of seeing the craft a couple times and not knowing anything else, which is okay. There's always room to learn. But picking up witchcraft is picking up something, picking up a term and declaring yourself the term of something that has historically been used negatively. And part of being a witch in the modern day is recognizing the way it's been used historically and saying, if you're not, you know... And being able to say, okay, I understand how this term was used, and I am going to do everything I can to support those groups, because there are definitely places in the world where witch is still a, a terrible term. And when someone gets called a witch, it's bad. It can mean that they get punished in a certain way. It can mean they get thrown out. You mentioned that it's become popular slash almost trendy, right? Like, why do you think that that is? Oh, God. That's a really good question. Um, and so... Once again, speaking mostly from my experience and myself, because every witch, I can, I know, like, I have, like, three friends who are witches who may disagree with me on this. Um, witchcraft is about taking back control. It's about reclaiming your power and taking things into your own hands. 
witchcraft has kind of always been like that. Um, even things that aren't witchcraft, like folk magic, has been about, you know, survival, necessity, taking matters into your own hands, or help going to someone who can help you without having to, like, uh, fight for access to it. Two-ish years ago, we had the pandemic. And the first thing that happened was people had a huge loss of control. Everything about normal life was gone. So I wasn't surprised that in 2020, when I logged on to TikTok and started posting about witchcraft, the response was my things going viral and a lot of people being interested because it allowed people to take back control and take back their power at a time when a lot of people who had never felt powerless before were feeling powerless. And a lot of people that had never experienced something in which their normal life was ripped out from under them experienced it. In regards, a lot of times the witches that I know that have been around for a long time had that happen when they were kids <laughs> um, or something happened to kind of you know, then that's not every single witch. That's, like, a few of my friends, and myself included, I had, like, something happen where I needed... I turned to the universe, and I'm like, hey, universe, I need you to tell me that this is the way I need to go. And when the universe responded, I moved in that direction. Um, But witchcraft creates a space for people that may not be represented or may not feel represented... Um within particular religions, which is why I say a lot of witches may be ex-Christians, because in Christianity, especially those who have experienced religious trauma, witchcraft appears as not only the, a lot of times seen as the antithesis to Christianity, which may not be how everyone sees it, but it's how a lot of people see it, as this kind of standing in opposal to oppression or dominant religion. It seems to primarily attract women. Is why why is that? Is that I would say Am I wrong? Is that just good question. I think a lot of women are witches. I also think that there is a growing base of like non-binary queer individuals who are witches. I also know a lot of queer men who are witches. I do know some straight men too that are witches. Um but I would say it's probably because a lot of people think that witchcraft is for women. I think that that is, I think that the historically the representation of witches have, has been mostly women. And I sure as hell think there are plenty of men out there who have an interest in it, but feel like witchcraft isn't for them. I mean, I think a lot of the, a lot of public witches are probably women. But I do know a lot of uh, witches who are men, and they're they're good. I love them. This just could be completely me, mm -hmm. right? But I do feel like there is something about it that doesn't appeal to men's nature as much. Okay, what is do that you an unfair as assessment? Nature. I have no idea. I have no okay. idea. There's, you know what? It maybe because the rules are not or not, don't seem to be hard and fast, that there's not a guidebook or a manual to it, a rigid system. Is that all that I do or is that just you? It is most people that I know, okay. but then again, of course, I live in, a, I live in my own bubble, right? Yeah. So take that for whatever it's worth, I think I that's guess. a 
it's one of those things where you have to create your own manual. I have like two two spell books that I've been keeping track of since I was 16 all my spells and now I'm pretty well informed of what works and what doesn't but there is like a trial and error process when you begin because you're going in aware that something you find in a book may not work for you and it may be a completely different path now we have a lot more kind of um literature on witchcraft that allows people to see kind of what different practitioners do for different things and different paths and different traditions and it allows a little bit more flexibility to like maybe this feels right or maybe this feels right versus when I was starting when I was like 16 we just had like a couple books on wicca and tumblr and because of that, now there are more ways for people to explore and create that manual for themselves. But it definitely does kind of come from you go in and you make your own set of ethics and morals and what you're okay with or what you're not okay with. Like personally, if I need to, I do not mind hexing someone. But someone else may never want to do any kind of baneful magic and that's okay. It doesn't make them any less of a witch. Um, versus me, is if I need to make someone stub their toe for a week straight i don't care um but my morals and ethics revolve around when i do that so am i gonna do that randomly to random people no am i going to wait until i really feel like it's necessary to get the point across or to protect myself or others yes so i probably won't go the full nine yards and do a hex frequently but when i do i'm like all right we're gonna go get a like bunch of cockroaches and pour them into a jar and yeah no it's baneful magic is very much like not pretty a lot of witchcraft is not pretty it's something that um you see a lot of witchy aesthetics online but not everyone's practice looks like that or is that visually appealing and not everyone has access uh the is able to access the same kind of ingredients that another practitioner may be able to get easily. Which is why it's such a broad spectrum of people who identify as witches. Someone may do a spell with a candle and really nice herbs and do that, and someone else may take a little birthday candle, sprinkle some salt around it, set the intention, and that's their spell. It's so wide and varied with paths, traditions, what people have access to. And it allows us to all kind of do something similar, but every single practice is different. If you brought another witch on, they probably would have different answers as to how they define witchcraft than I would. Because some people I know define it by communing with land spirits or working with the land or invoking spirits. Versus I consider those who do um, spells and witches but also there are other elements of witchcraft like activism or um certain things that i consider part of my practice as a witch whereas someone else may say witchcraft is this and not this so it's really interesting because there's so many of us and that's why i don't know a lot of people like the fact that you go in and there's like a bunch of different ways to do one thing and then sometimes you just create a new path. I can see why it's appealing. Mm -hmm. The idea of you can take control and you can do it your way. 
skeptics always come to me and they're like, prove witchcraft is real. And here's the thing is I can't prove witchcraft is real to you. I can't sit here and give you the evidence that you would consider real and make you happy about that. Like, you can't do that. But I try to approach it from if it's working for people and they believe in it and it's not harming you, why are you so upset? I try to come from that place of I am minding my business. And then some people get angry because... Someone recently was angry because they feel like everyone who is a witch and believes in witchcraft and sells services like tarot readings or spells is a scammer. Which I can't really control that person's thoughts. That's their own kind of, that's their own opinion. And I'm not going to change it, especially if they really strong, like feel really strongly about that. And I kind of come to the point of when skeptics are kind of there's been, like, an influx of them on TikTok recently. But when skeptics are like, curse me so I know it's real. Curse me and prove witchcraft is real. I just say no, because there's the position of... There's two types of skeptics. There's skeptics that are really interested and actually want to hear how it works and maybe try it for themselves and see if there's anything to it. And then there are skeptics who are trying to get you to debase yourself. And do something for like cast a spell on them. And then they say no matter what, you know, it doesn't, they aren't going to think anything's going to happen. I can't go to a skeptic who is, who 100% does not believe in witchcraft and doesn't have any interest in learning anything about witchcraft and tell and convince them that it is real because they're not going to be convinced. There's no way for me to convince them. I kind of come from the position of, you know, if people believe in it, it's real. That's something that my friend who is a folklorist told me is with folklore, it doesn't matter if at one point it was real or not real. If people believe in it, it is now real. Because someone out there believes wholeheartedly, many people believe that it is wholeheartedly how the world works and that it exists. Who are you to tell them no if you don't know anything about it? But is there times in your life that you've been like, I cast this spell and this worked. It reinforced – is there times that you would say like this reinforced my – like I know mm -hmm. whether it's true or not, who cares? I was going to – But for to, me, yeah. this, this worked. I think I have yeah. that – happen a lot with asking if there's like a greater power in the universe you know like when i ask for because i when i was 16 what got me into witchcraft and what brought me to that was i asked literally just the universe i'm like if anyone's listening can you send me a sign to do something like so i know i'm making the right decision and i was on a walk with my family and a blue jay came down right in front of me and like looked at me and went away and I was like, that's it. And I just knew in that moment, I'm like, someone's make, someone has my back in this. I didn't know who it was at the time, but I'm like, someone made sure, like someone heard me when I like prayed or asked for help. And then I was like, I started looking into animal symbolism and paganism and that brought me to witchcraft. And I'm like, okay, if I know someone is listening when I just pray, when I just ask 
what's going to change when I actually start putting more energy behind that and really solid intentions? Um, I've had a couple things where, like, I set, like, I set up a spell a while ago, and I guess, like, I don't know, my entire life has been a culmination of, like, realizing that things, I'm on, like, I'm going on the right path. One of the things was, um, when I was, I did, like, when I started getting into Italian folk magic and venerating my ancestors, and I was like, I, I don't know, you know, I may not ever, like, make this my full practice. Spoiler, spoiler alert, it became my full practice. But, like, I may not ever make this my full practice. I took a class with someone, and, like, there's just a moment where, like, everything that I had known about my witchcraft practice up to that point fell away. And I was left with my ancestors, Italian folk magic, and one goddess. And I said, I guess this is where I'm, like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I've had things happen, too, where, like, oh, my favorite one. Oh, this is the, this is the one that, if you're going to include any of this, include this one. I did a spell, um, where I was half asleep, and I, in my head, popped in, like, the image of four coffin nails wrapped in red thread and i wrote it down because it felt important and i also wrote down other things that were popping into my head like this was a spell i had to do it on the eclipse and i set it up so i did this whole spell i nailed four coffin nails as part of the spell into the four corners of my house later i had connected with some uh an italian canadian folk practitioner and I'm like, yeah, I did this spell once with four coffin nails in the four corners. And he, they go, that's so crazy. We have almost the exact same spell in my family. And I was like, what? And so I had no usage of coffin nails. I had never read anything about using coffin nails as protection or anything like this. And this spell just kind of popped up out of nowhere like call it intuition call it ancestors call it the universe whatever you want but then later i got confirmation that this is actually a spell that a lot of italian folk practice italian american italian canadian families have and do it was like slightly modified but it was the same idea of coffin nails placed near entrances or in four corners to protect against to protect the home and I know, like, I always thought it, but I always think, like, maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe I saw it somewhere and my subconscious brought it. But for me, that was like a, I'm, yeah, that's, that's kind of, it made it feel real to me. Even if other people hear that and they're like, could have been a coincidence. Yeah, but to me, it was one of those things where I'm like, there is no way that I just came up with this. I don't want to kind of go back and forth. Like, well, you know, like, the, well, what about this? Right. Because you can pick apart. <laughs> kind of anything, you can pick anything right like you could mm -hmm. and so i don't i feel like that's not the point yeah necessarily of this conversation right because you could say this and then you could say this and i could say this we but it's more the idea that like all day about witchcraft all day <laughs> right and the thing is it's like nobody fucking knows not really nobody, knows. <laughs> nobody knows if god's real either but a bunch of people wholeheartedly believe in god and it informs their entire experience so why is me lighting a candle any different 
that's one thing that I am fascinated by, right? Mm-hmm. Is the idea I personally believe, like, look, do whatever you want. Yeah. You can play to spaghetti monster in the sky. I don't care. People do do right? that. If it makes you happy, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> do, do what you want to do. Are you ready for some listeners? Harder slash listener submitted oh questions. Oh my God, I'm ready. Let's do it. Some of them are like favorite spell. Oh, good question. I love a good protection spell. I also love a spell which is found very present in Italian American folk magic where you take someone's picture bind it which basically is wrapping it with a thread and you put it in the freezer and it's supposed to freeze them and stop them in their place or freeze them out of your mind and make you stop thinking about them i use that very frequently it's like a little uh sympathetic magic type thing and sympathetic basically just means this is like this so this is that so do you do it with people you don't like or people you do like or both like i've done it maybe twice and one time I did it with someone and it didn't feel like it worked and I was upset about it. And then I went into back into the freezer to look for it. It was gone. It had disappeared out of the freezer. I'm assuming someone found it and threw it out. But I was like, no wonder this doesn't didn't work. It's gone. It's gone. Is it more reserved, I guess, for like the important things in life or people? I'm going to cast this spell so there's no line at the drive through kind of. That's a really good idea. I have not done that. That actually is a good idea. I did, do, I did do, I did put on, um, there was this fast luck oil. I put on fast luck oil to get a Boston cream donut. It worked. I mean, Boston cream is it's probably delicious. the best donut. I'm gluten free too. So we went to the gluten free bakery and sometimes they're out of Boston creams. And I'm like, I'm going to put on this oil and ask for a Boston, Boston cream. Got there. There was one left. And I was like. That's look honestly. That's the only proof you need. That's like the Boston. I would just tell that story, uh, and I think the, ever the audience of skeptics would be like, "Oh fuck!" The, like it's really the a Boston lot of witches I know do very mundane things. It's very much focused on you, your needs, whether that's monetarily, you know, financially, whatever. Um, it's focused on your needs. It's focused on the needs and the protection of the people around you. But sometimes you just are like, I'm just gonna. I really want this to happen. And sometimes it's like, I really want concert tickets. Like, I really want to be able to get good seats. So you may cast a spell to help you get good seats. And then you're all set. Or for me, it was a Boston cream donut. That was my like, I really want this donut this morning, please. What is the most significant day of the year for you? Like, is there a day where you're like, ooh, I want to. Oh my God. So for me personally, the most significant day is called the Festival of St. John the Baptist, and it's right around midsummer. Um, a lot of people celebrate what is known as the modern meal of the year, which comes from Wicca, which is for the two equinoxes, the two solstices, and then four Celtic fire festivals. I don't follow that, but I do celebrate the solstices incredibly. Like, I go very hard for the solstices. I'm like mold wine dancing under the moonlight full nine yards um but the festival of saint john the baptist is really big in italy and we make something called a lot of um folk practitioners make something called saint john's water so you collect a bunch of different plants that have medicinal and magical properties um so this year i did like mullein saint john's war like all these different plants and they're typically picked fresh but you can also pick them dried um 
or add dried stuff and then you put a bunch of water over it and you let it sit out overnight to kind of absorb all the moisture and the dew and in the morning you wash your hands and your face like your hands and face in it and it's supposed to bring in like good luck and it blesses you and so I keep mine year round and I use it for like all sorts of magical purposes but the important thing about it is that you can only make it on this one night on this festival of St. John the Baptist which I think is this year was the 23rd to the 24th. It's usually like very close to um, midsummer. So I have like the summer solstice and I celebrate the summer solstice and do things for that. And then I do uh, the festival of St. John the Baptist make, um, it's called L'Aqua di San Giovanni, St. John's Water, or say the festival oh. of St. San Giovanni. Um, and then the winter solstice is also really big for me. So that's not even just one, it's two. Um, then the winter solstice, I will do, uh, I celebrate Christmas because Christmas for me is about family and it's something I've always done with my family. So I still celebrate it, even though I do not, uh, I'm not a Christian. So I do Christmas, I do the winter solstice, and then I celebrate, uh, the epiphany, which is an Italian tradition. So I go like winter has like three holidays all backed up one after the other. And then summer has like two holidays backed up so i do the solstices as the kind of big events that i really center everything around because it's a halfway point for the seasons it's like the longest day of the year and the shortest day of the year are great days to do magic to cleanse to reset um i'm not very good with celebrating the equinoxes i will say that i kind of forget about them but the other one is All Souls Day or Samhain, also known as Halloween or All Hallows Eve. That's a really big day for me as well. And those are kind of the three major ones that I will go really ham for. Like I'll plan rituals out and I will uh, get materials. And then every once in a while I have like the festivals of certain spirits I work with. Like Nemoralia is Diana's festival. Uh, today is the festival of St. Michael Archangel. I made him garlic mac and cheese. So I'll try to like do little things on those days, but when I really go hard is like the solstices. I'm like, wake up, we're cleaning the house, we are doing all these things. And so for me, those are the two important days. But depending on tradition, depending on if what kind of pagan the person is, um, or if the person's a pagan or Christian or Jewish, they may have very com different holidays. I know a Jewish witch who considers like Rosh Hashanah um, one of the more important, like the high holidays is very important. Is it something about the day or is it just the tradition of the day? For the solstices? For, I guess, any of them, really. So, depends. Um, if we're looking at, like, the solstices, the day itself, the summer solstice is the longest day of the year. So the longest day of the year uh, is associated with, like, partying, um, getting ready for the days to grow shorter, um, we see midsummer celebrations spreading back centuries. Um, so the solstices and the equinoxes, it is about the day itself. Um, same with kind of the festivals of St. John's, but it definitely depends on who you ask. What are baneful spells? And are they looked at as being forbidden is the word that they mm. use, but are they looked at in a... Um, um... Negative light? negative light That's would be a good way a to really yeah. great question um i think that i discussed this a little earlier but i think that baneful magic does get a bad rap a lot of people don't spend a lot of time learning about baneful magic 
There are certain traditions in which and certain practitioners that will not do baneful magic because of their morals or ethics. Um, Wicca has something called the threefold law where it's the idea that anything you do will be sent back to you threefold. Not everyone follows it in Wicca, but a lot of Wiccans do. Um, I talked earlier with someone who is a practitioner is also um, Hindu and they talked about how because of Hinduism, Jainism, they do not cast baneful magic. They do they do not do something that could harm uh, people, animals, the earth. Um, versus me, I do not, I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way and like throw hexes willy-nilly, but I don't have pro a problem getting my hands dirty if I need it. If I'm like, if it's someone, and I typically save that for people who are like the worst of the worst, like so think rapists abusers pedophiles that's who i target that's who i go after i don't go after people who like piss me off for no reason i'm like i don't have the energy um so to some people it would be something that they would never think of doing and they just don't do it um a lot of folk practices do have those darker spells because folk magic is magic of the people and someone probably needed that to survive in any way shape or form and because baneful magic is informed by survival and the language of those who have been oppressed, you're going to see it a lot more in certain folk magics. Um, that doesn't mean they're always going to, and I say this, there are always going to be people that use baneful magic inappropriately. There's always going to be someone who gets pissed off by something you've said and hexes you for no reason other than you piss them off or you disagree with them. Depending on the practitioner you ask, I believe that if your intention is kind of shoddy, like if you're just doing it to be petty, I don't think it's going to work as well as like really pure in like intention of like, I really did something to you. But there are other people that argue that at the end of the day, if that person casted that spell and they put enough energy and rage behind it, it's going to hit you no matter what. I kind of believe a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, if someone's intention is petty and they aren't a great hexer, I'm not super concerned. But if they are a fantastic hexer and their intention is petty, I'm pretty sure I'm still going to feel it no matter what. Um, because they know how to do it. But at the end of the day, really depends on who you ask. For me, I come from the position of I use it when necessary. Like, and I read something recently that I think is really good to live by. If you wouldn't do it in real life, don't do it in magic. Um, if you aren't prepared to face the consequences of what could come from it, don't do it. Which is why my all my little, like, baneful magic is kind of like, stub your toe for a week. So this one just says, like, what could you give us an example of a spell? Oh, yeah. I love examples of spells. So I did a spell recently um, for... Uh, making sure I'm protected when I'm driving because I have a lot of car anxiety. So I took a bag and I added a bunch of... I can't think about what I added. I did like a little... Uh, I took a black candle to St. Anthony because uh, I wanted to petition St. Anthony for the spell. So this is like usage of saints, but I took a bag. I filled it with things that are protective. So herbal herbs that have protective qualities. Um, I also added some porcupine quills, which is kind of like protection as well. And then I took a little like picture of St. Anthony and put it in there. Um, or maybe I did a picture of St. Mary. 
that may be i may have put saint mary in there instead of saint anthony i put one of the saints in there um then i added some garlic like a bunch of different protective herbs and um sealed the bag and then made a candle with the intention of safe travels or protecting me while i drive and poured some wax from the candle on there i also do this thing um I create sigils, which are from originate from chaos magic. You take an intention, and by process, by a particular process or ritual, they eventually become a symbol. That is like just a symbol. So I take that symbol, put it in the bag, and charge it, which basically means giving it energy under the candle or by way of carving it into the candle. And so then, everything I do with the candle spell feeds the charm that I created in the bag uh, that I made. Um, well, another example is a money bowl, which I actually have, I can actually show it. Whee! This is my money bowl. It's just a gravy bowl with a bunch of coins around it. I put, like, there's cash in here. There's a bunch of, um, herbs to draw in money. I have two different money drawing oils in here. And then some citrus. So I have like a bunch of different things to draw in money and then I have the capability of adding money and taking it out. So whenever I add money, it's like the intention of bringing prosperity in and then taking money. It's like almost like an active working to bring in prosperity. I also have a rosary in here because Mary. Have you ever had one like backfire? Uh, At all, yeah, I guess. So oh, that's a yes. That's a, When I was that's a 16... Yes. Uh, someone who I was friends with didn't treat me very kindly. And I had just gotten into witchcraft. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to hex this person. It's a really bad idea. So I took a lemon and put their name in the lemon and put a bunch of like gross stuff in it. And I hung it outside my window and hung it outside my window. And, uh, I just left it there because it's supposed to be left to its own devices, which by the way, with hexing, if you're ever interested in baneful magic, my advice is do not shit where you eat. Do not do hexes and keep them, like, in your house or anywhere near you because it's just a bunch of bad energy. Like, you gave that, even if you don't believe in, like, it doing anything, you gave that spell so much rage. And now that rage is sitting mm. in your house. So, uh, I opened the window one day and the lemon rolled down, fell, rolled down the roof. And landed in my parents' gutter. The gutter outside my parents' window. And then I went to college. And I was at college for two a year. And in the car up there, my mom, I said to my mom and dad, hey, by the way, there's an active curse in the gutter. You should probably get rid of it. And they were like, what did you just say? And I'm like, just like bury it at the crossroads. And they're like, there's no crossroads around here that we can bury it. They're all like pavement. And I'm like, okay. It sat there for four or five years. And through the entire four or five years, there was just a lot of things that happened that were not great. Like, they weren't awful, but they weren't great. Like, they were not fantastic. And then, I think in 2020, I took the lemon out and finally burned it. And all of a sudden, all of those things that had happened kind of reversed. So, I am... I'm still blamed for everything that happened. My mom's like, yeah. Remember when you did that? Remember when you hexed our family? And I'm like, please, mom. I'm sorry. Are you ready for some of the more lighthearted yes. ones? 
What is your favorite depiction of a witch in movies That's or TV? That's a really good question. That's actually a really good question because so many of them are so bad. <laughs> so let's yeah, let's do best and okay. worst. The like worst one, one that you're is like, Witches okay, by Road Doll. Oh. It is awful. The Witches by Road Doll, and in the, I I'm referring to the newest movie with like they look. It's like the biggest anti-Semitic stereotype in a witch i've ever seen like they eat children they have scales they like have bird feet it is so many bad like tropes packed into one and i'm like oh god please no so rogue dolls the witches is the worst one of the best ones i would say is probably between the craft the 90s and practical magic Practical magic is, like, apart from, like, the necromancy, like, raising your dead boyfriend, which, like, we don't actually do that, yeah. but, like, using whipped cream to make a pentagram because you, you don't have anything else. Or, like, the garden, like, that's the most accurate portrayal of what actual witchcraft can look like, of, like, you got a bad spirit in the yard and the bushes are dying, or there are, like, weird omens everywhere. Um... But one of those, the practical magic is good. The craft was a little bit more um, cinematic in terms of what they did in spells, like changing your hair color or changing your eye color. Um, so, but it's still like one of the representations that is better rather than bad. So I always recommend it. But practical magic and even like the series of practical magic, the books themselves are not like in completely inaccurate it's a lot of like going out in the garden and making herbal tinctures and like we are just making things with whipped cream because you don't have a pen um that's very accurate how do you my wife and i one of our favorite movies is kiki deliveries Kiki's delivery service i wish we i wish we had brooms everywhere that we could ride we don't but I wish because I would love to be Kiki. I'd love to be able to ride a broom and deliver things. Like that's the life. Hey, fantastic job. That sounds so much fun. I mean, have you really tried though? Oh yeah. You feel I feel like I grabbed a broom one time and jumped. I fell. Nothing. Nothing. We hmm. do have brooms, however, are considered protective. Um, the uh, in Italian folk magic, this may be different in different cultures, but in Italian folk magic. You put a broom by the front door, it protects from witches, because witches have to count every bristle of the broom before they can enter the house. Same with salt. They have to count every salt grain before they enter the house, and mustard seeds. So there's this idea that to keep bad spirits out, you give some, you put something by the front of your house that the witch or the bad spirit would have to count a bunch of times, and it would take them forever to, like, get in. So they just give up. Oh. Yep. That's interesting. I always associated it with them, like, using the broom. Oh, you can use it, too. I mean, I sweeping is very big uh, for me. I like you can sweep things out. You can sweep things in. I have a cinnamon broom by my front door. Whenever I clean my room, I sweep the cinnamon broom in to bring in prosperity. Um, to get rid of negative energy in a room, throw salt into four corners, sweep inwards to purify. Um, and also, brooms are probably big because a lot of witches historically would be doing a lot of cleaning they'd be the people who would stay at home they'd be women um so they would be using that broom or that kind of mundane object for spiritual things what should i do if i want to try this but i'm not ready to try this 
I get that. Okay. That's a really easy question. I mean, genuinely, just start looking into it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to cast any spells, and you can buy books about witchcraft and read them. Or learn about the history of witchcraft or watch YouTube videos or anything like that. You don't have to do a single spell until you're ready. When you did that first one, were you kind of like, all right, this is going to work? Or were you? Oh, I thought it was going to work. What am I doing? In my opinion, it falling into this particular, or like the first spell I did or the curse I did. Oh, both. So the first spell I did was a spell for a snow day because I wanted off from school. Very much high school things. Um, And it worked. And I kind of went to bed with like a, I don't know if this is going to work or not. It worked. And I was like, guess I'm a witch now. This is a thing. I got a snow day. (laughs) I guess as a teenager, I would be like, no matter who you are. He would be like, that's the only possible conclusion to yeah. come to. And it was like that we were probably going to get a snow day anyway. But I was like, I just want to make sure that it happens. So oh, I always yeah. approach spells <laughs> with like, I want to make sure that this goes the direction I want. Especially if it's something like, like I'm like getting an offer from publishers for a book. It's like, I want to make sure this is a good offer. So I'm going to do a little spell to make sure of that. Most useful item. Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, I got to think about that. Mm, mm, mm. Depending on who you ask, they're going to have different answers. I am a fan of just pen and paper. You can do a lot with pen and paper. You can write out a petition. You can write out an intention. You can draw a sigil. You can write someone's name and do something with it. Second favorite is I use a lot of animal bones in my practice. They are all ethically sourced, but I use a lot of like porcupine quills, um, rabbit heels. And then lastly is candles because I'm a, I love candles. You can do so much with like a birthday candle and a chant. And I love that. Is there anything that you think we missed? No, I mean, if people are interested and like want to know more, I have like, I have a book I wrote, um, which hold on. I have a copy here. It is called Spells for Change by Frankie Castaneda. And so it's like a beginner's guide to starting witchcraft or a beginner or a non-beginner can pick it up and then have a practice or have a good idea of what witchcraft is after. And obviously, you know, it's informed by my practice, but like it's one of those beginner books that it is very much catered to someone who maybe doesn't have any anything to know anything about witchcraft. Um, And then... I have a YouTube too, and like that's where I do most of my educational stuff. Is I talk a lot about spells, folk magic. Um, I did an interview recently with uh, Dr. Angela Puka, who did her PhD in Italian folk magic, um, which is really fun. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> is this happening? Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, everything you can find me on everything as Chaotic Witch Aunt. I if you want to follow me on TikTok, I wouldn't recommend it. It's all joke videos. So if you're really interested in, like, learning, do the book. Oh, I also have a podcast um, that I run with uh, Matt, who is my friend, and he is an indigenous folklorist. And we are doing a series on regional folk magics right now. And that is books and broomsticks. For somebody who kind of wants to get into it, like, what video would you recommend they start with? What episode? So with books and broomsticks, let me pull it up because I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I mean... 
starting from the beginning is we talk cover a lot of different things but we have episodes on like mm, witchcraft in the internet gatekeeping is a good episode if you want us to mess around you can hear us talk about mistakes we've made in our practice i would start with my youtube and then move on to books and broomsticks because books and broomsticks is more like someone who already knows witchcraft and wants to hear us talk about particular topics the book that i wrote is the most beginner friendly stuff i have and then youtube is kind of like i'm starting a series that will be more beginner friendly but really if you're going through it and you're interested in anything you'll be able to see and hear me talk about processes about spells things that I do in my practice, what being a witch kind of looks like. And I also am very responsive on YouTube for questions. If you're like, what does this mean? I'm like, I got you. I want to thank Frankie so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description, there's links to her book in there, her social media profiles, and also her podcast, Books and Broomsticks. If this is something that you're interested in exploring more, I think there's some really fantastic resources that they have available. Okay, real quick, I want to tell you about a new podcast that we found. Well, new to us, at least. It's called Fascination Street. Hi, my name is Steve Owens, and I'm inviting you on a weekly journey. Take a walk with me down Fascination Street as I get to know the fun stories and impactful moments of actors, directors, musicians, athletes, authors, comedians, artists, astronauts, and regular people. New episodes every Monday available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart. With well over 300 episodes, you're bound to find stories you connect with on Fascination Street Podcast. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you ever feel like you've been cursed? Like somebody out there, a witch, so to speak, may have cursed you? No, I don't think uh, I've ever been cursed by an individual. Though I do feel sometimes like my house is cursed. I, I don't really believe in curses or magic or anything like that. What's the most superstitious belief that you have? Not to say that not to say that witchcraft is superstitious, but what would be like the most superstitious like belief that you have? I always have to have the volume remote on an even number. Why? I, uh, it was something that I picked up in college from a guy who, who was one of my roommates and said that, you know, he gave me that we were drunk and he gave me this long spiel about how uh, odd numbers are, you know, are going to give you bad luck and blah, blah, blah. So I, I've always just kept my TV volume on an even, even number. Now, will you like, what, what do you do if you walk into a room and like the wife or the kids have it on an odd number? Do you, (laughs) I mean, uh, have you ever been like, oh something happened to you and then you put it together that the it was on volume level 13 it should have been on 14 or 12 yeah i mean well my kids are savages and 
will turn the volume up to like 100. It's pretty easy to see when they're doing it. My wife, not so much. She doesn't care as much as I do. So. Mm, but you're pretty delicate. Okay, any other any other good superstitions that you have? Yeah, you know, I'll wear the same socks a few days in a row. If, if, I'm having, if, I'm, if I'm having a good day, if I had a good day in them or something, I'll wear them the next day or something. How many days in a row have you worn the same socks? That's a bit frequent lately, but I mean, I've gone, pro, you know, I, I think I've almost did a full week once. Ew, man. Socks. That's gross. Hey, man, it is what it is. You know, socks are important. I, socks are important, but I would make an argument that that's probably the second worst thing to wear again the next day, right? With underwear being number one and then probably your socks being number two. Me, I don't think I'd put either of those in as number one. I'd probably put like a t-shirt or something. I don't want to wear a dirty t-shirt. Uh, but, you know, I there's been times where you wear underwear the next day or, or obviously socks. No, I've never worn underwear the next day. I'm going to throw those suckers out, right? You've, like, never, you've never worn the same pair of underwear tw- like back-to-back days. No. I'm, not only have I never done it, I've never even thought about doing it. Like if so even I if, you're, if I'm on vacation and I got hard choices to make, well then I'm letting it I'm letting it all out. That's right. You are a a uh, what, what's the word? What's the term I'm looking for? You're a free baller, natural born killer. I was just gonna say free baller. I like going free commando. Baller. I like to have. But see, I used to live in Arizona and Florida, two places that are pretty hot, and I used to wear tidy whities which constrict. <laughs> The heat reduction, so it could get, <laughs> it would get a little funk, it would get a little intense down there for me personally. So my I would allow it to. just popped out of my ear of, of what you just said. Right. So I'm many sure people really. So many know questions arise with the whitey tighties, like how old when you stopped? Why were you wearing them in the first place? There's so many questions. Well, I stayed with whitey tighties for a long time simply because I'm cheap, and that's what I had. Like, I had straight-up whitey tighties, not, like, briefs or anything like that. Straight white tights. And I probably did it into my 30s. <laughs> Which means you're, you probably have them on currently. No, huh? I don't actually have any pairs left. But I did have some pairs with my name on them in my 30s. Initials. Okay, N-D. we're, we're going to... We're going to skip past that because I don't even know what to say to that. Um, were you kind of sad when you stopped wearing them? Like, were, is there a little bit of resentment and sadness? I mean, it took a little while to adjust to that lack of support, right? Because I do think that they are a superior underwear to many other types of underwear. But I now appreciate the freedom that I currently have. And I couldn't ever go back. They, I, I've heard they get dirty quite easily in both uh, areas. Not if you're a responsible adult. You've never. Not if you don't never... wear them two days in a row. No, when I check, man, there's no skid marks. There's no burnouts back there. I know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> burnouts. <laughs> I've never heard of burnouts. It's a burnout. Just a little. Shout out to Jacob one. Smeltzer, friend of mine who also is a whitey tidy rocker. Oh boy. But he he had wow. some burnouts. Those were burnouts, not skid marks. Anyway, but see, I don't even know if that's superstition. Like, would you say, like, you know, when when I when I played football, right? I I wore the same undershirt as far as I could until it either fell apart or like there was mold growing on it. You, now you didn't wash it in between games. Anyways, 
no, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but like, is, is that is that a superstition? Is that just me being a gross adolescent boy? Like, did it actually bring me good luck? Probably not. But for some reason, I thought it did. It's like the people who 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 carry around like rabbit's feet. First off, it's not a real rabbit's foot. So there goes that out the window. Right. I don't think that's the main criteria that they're worried about. <laughs> I mean, my here's the thing. You could break down every one of these things and prove it wrong. But people have some people choose to believe and that's fine. I'm just fascinated kind of by the idea that all of these things are kind of the same and that the only thing that really matters is if you think it works or not. Right? There, there, yeah. There's not really any proof for any of this. Do you want to just go to our shout outs before we just go down yeah. this whole thing? Yeah, because okay. right. there's a whole, there's a whole hole we could go down, but uh, we're not here to get into semantics. We might as well just stay above it and uh, right. talk about real, we're too real things that matter. We're too sophisticated. Oh, yeah, we don't... So, okay. Okay, go. <laughs> what, what were you, I was going to say the shout outs matter. What were you going to say? Nothing. All right. Uh, well, let me try to breeze through these here. Uh, so we'll start with ELBZ. Jacob Harrison, uh, James Paul, Malcolm Williams, Nicholas Bennett, Carlo Rochello, Quinton Cox, Liam Gannon, Morgan Ryan, Malik Green, and Vanessa, or wow, Vanessa, Vanessa Del Angel. Appreciate every one of you, and uh, thanks for checking us out. Seeing as we're literally everywhere on social media i don't think there's one platform that we're not on on social media snapchat uh all right let's get to uh i got a couple of bangers for you did you just joke did you just bounce in your seat like trying to knock my trying trying to knock my my seat down my seat's a little too high i was trying to bump it down all right uh let's see would you rather have three ears or three eyes well three eyes man well depends where the eye is Depends where they're located. Oh, boy. I guess it wasn't uh, in the middle of your head, I guess. And the ear would be uh, directly on the back of your head, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't really want it. Like, how would you comb your hair? That would be the problem, right? Oof. <laughs> That's the That's whole problem one. with three ears is the hair care. Could you imagine how weird you would look? Well, you would cover up the third ear. You'd cover up the third ear with hair. And then no, that's, that's what I would do. I would have, well, I would rather have three ears as long as I had hair that could then cover up that ear. But then eventually you might be in the throes of intimacy and somebody's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, but how great would it be to like, yeah, that's my third ear. You know, you love it. You could just get it cut off. Oof. It'd be a lot I... easier to get an ear cut off than an eye taken out. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be. That actually sounds kind of terrible. Yeah, I mean, you could do. You could cut your own ear off at home. <laughs> I mean, you could poke your own eye out at home too, if you really wanted to. Have you ever had to turn your eyelid inside out? No. It. I got something in my eye the other day, and I had to turn my eyelid inside out. It's a terrible, terrible experience. I've actually had to go to the doctor's uh, to have something from my eye removed. That was not fun. What was in your eye? Uh, my contact uh, broke in half. And it was like at the far back 
the broken pieces of the farm. I, I got I don't know if it's back. I don't, I don't know where at my eye, but it was like to the point where I moved my eye in a million directions and it wasn't coming out. So I had to had to have them go and, and remove it. That was not an enjoyable experience. Hmm. Poor John. Anyways. Yeah, thanks. Uh, which holiday has the best uh, treats to snack on? Uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, or Christmas? Oh, probably Halloween. I do think it's close, but Halloween ultimately takes that, right? Because you're just pure candy. Mm. I'm going to go Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving, it's not yet full-on Christmas, but you're still kind of left over from Thanksgiving, and then you throw in some you know, like pies and, and different kinds of... like You can still serve ice cream, because it's not that cold out yet. I'm going to go with Thanksgiving. First of all, it's never too cold for ice cream. I don't care if you're in Antarctica and it's negative 60 degrees outside. It's still not too cold for ice cream, and I would have ice cream. I think Halloween is number one, simply because candy is the best, and there's lots of candy. Two is probably Christmas, because you can get a variety of, like, cookies and brownies and pies (laughs) and cakes and Thanksgiving is probably last because it's all kind of the same, right? Like you're just getting a lot of pumpkin pie there, and that's all that it is. Oh, it's the best, though. It's so good. I'm gonna go Thanksgiving, Christmas, Halloween. I don't like I don't like a lot of I don't like a lot of just candy. Like I'm I'm just not a big candy person. Okay. Uh all right. Are you ready? To, are you ready to be creeped out? I don't know if I want to be creeped out. To be honest with you. All right, so our, our poll this week, uh, what people decided was they wanted us to talk about uh, the movie Smile and the viral promos, uh, promotions that kind of uh, went everywhere last week in terms of what, what had happened. And that is, um, uh, I don't know how the studio did it, but there's a movie that came out last week. Obviously, it's called Smile. It's, a, it's actually about a supernatural being that haunts people and makes them smile, and then they do terrible things. Anyways, the studio that's behind this, I think it's MGM, MGM had this great idea to send uh, people to baseball games and literally sit there for the full game and just smile. And this is one of them. This guy was sitting behind the Yankees. Uh, oop, the Yankees uh, catcher. Just smiling like that the entire game. And I'm showing Nick a picture. It's like a guy in a blue shirt. Oh, with a beard. that's weird. It's just some guy sitting there smiling. That was their promotions yeah. for it? Yeah, that was like, here's, uh, I'm showing Nick another one. This is a woman just smiling. Another woman behind a dugout. And like, you know, people were obviously taking photos. I believe the cops were called in a couple of them. And uh, it's marketing. kind of an ingenious marketing tool. Um, but also kind of fucking creepy because I've always told myself that if I ever come across somebody that is, I don't know, doing something like that or just kind of out of it, I'm going to tackle them to the ground or something. I don't um, generally trust people who are too happy. Like if you're I, too happy yeah. and too optimistic and too smiley and too joyful about things, I feel like you're you're overcompensating for some deep secret. I don't I don't trust people who are overly happy or smiley. Well, say say you were at at a baseball game because I I from what I what I my research, uh, they were only at baseball games. Say you were there with your your family, uh, which I think you were just at a baseball game recently. Oh, Mariners, cheap seats, hoorah, cheap, cheap seats. Yeah, sure. I don't uh, even know who they played. Of course you don't. Either they way, the whole uh, game don't even know who they played. 
<laughs> and you saw and you saw something like that. I mean, you'd be thrown off, right? You'd probably be a little uh, questioning. I mean, especially if they don't have anything that signifies what they're doing or who they're with, other than them just smiling in a bright ass colored T-shirt. I mean, I would think that the uh, you'd think that like the baseball team or the people who own the stadiums would have would be like in on it and be like, hey, by the way. We're going to be doing this, but yeah, maybe that would also, it's always better to do, ask for forgiveness than permission. I wouldn't like do anything. It's not like I'm going to go down there and fight him. Like this guy's <laughs> sitting by this, not bothering anybody smiling the whole game. Like we can do like quit smiling motherfucker. Like what are you going to do about it? I'm just going to sit there and my own business. What were the other I mean, things it's... on there? What were the other options? Cause uh, I saw some of the options. I didn't know what any of them were. Well, there's a creepy ass one. Uh, I'm gonna try to show you. It's the woman there with the smile T-shirt. I don't know if if my phone's gonna pick it up on this. Did camera, they all but... have smile T-shirts on? Uh, no. She she's the only one I've come across that had that has had the T-shirt because the guy in the blue didn't have a smile thing on him. Hmm. Very interesting. But, I mean, it's yeah, good anyways, marketing. It's great. Kudos yeah, and to it's, that person. And that's the other part that I wanted to bring. Like it's. When's the last time a movie like had good marketing like that, right? Most movies could like Top Gun Two just came out and it's like, okay, it's gonna make five billion dollars because of the movie. Like this movie, obviously, you know, it has no pedigree, and they do something like this, it probably got them some some extra money, I would think. Didn't um, the clown movie do that? I thought what, it did that, where they had people like dress up as clowns around the places or something well, like that. I think another when I think movie of that, done that. I, I think of that. That remember what was it? Five years ago now, the the clown thing where the people would dress up as clowns and just try to break into your house. I don't think that clowns was for a scared. movie. No, no, I mean, it was breaking it was into your house. I think that's gone beyond marketing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, anyway, there was some creepy spray. clowns, man. Like one had a knife. Like no, no, mm. sir. Nope. Like, not not. That's why I don't nope. think about those things. Yeah. Anyways, all right. We can move on to happier. What topics were the other topic and... suggestions? Uh, so let's see. So it was that it was a supercontinent. Uh, some famous scientists or whatever came out and said in two to three hundred million years from now, uh, Earth will just be one big supercontinent again. Cool. Um, all right. And then we had uh, the Deadpool three controversy, uh, in which Ryan Reynolds didn't ask one of the actors to come back, one of the supporting actors to come back and uh, be part of. Deadpool three, which well, which one know, was it? Uh, hold on a second. Of course, I forget. Because if it was here. that guy that was like the bartender that was also in Silicon Valley, like I think he did some stuff. They're like, oh, you. It was yeah, T.J. Miller. Yeah, he did something. Well, I think that like some illegal activity or something. It's not really a controversy. Like, hey man, why didn't you ask this guy? Who, I don't. I have no idea what he did. He did some controversy, but it's like, hey, why didn't you ask the guy who like killed somebody to come back? Well, <laughs> it's not really a controversy. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd have to read more on it. It's just uh, I know T.J. Miller's pretty pretty butthurt about not being asked to be back on it. That's for sure. Uh, and the other one was the uh, daycare worker scary mask story, I believe, out of Mississippi, in which. Uh, a day there was a, a very terrible video that was released of a daycare down there uh where uh kids that are being bad the daycare worker put on like a scary like a scream mask and would scare the kids to try to get them to behave yeah that's a terrible uh, idea traumatizing children is generally 
a bad idea. So the headline that I just looked at was TJ Miller says he won't work with Ryan Reynolds again. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is too worried about that. Also, the fact that TJ Miller has uber assault allegations, <laughs> sexual assault allegations, transphobic, transphobic email allegations, Amtrak bomb threats. Like, I th- okay, buddy, like, I think your answer is right there, man. I don't think it's some big controversy surrounding you. And I'm not really a fan of Ryan Reynolds, but, like, that's an easy decision. Anyways. Okay. All right, are you ready for but, our top five? Or do you have something I else? am. No, no, let's do it. All right, so our top five is top five things to put ketchup on. It's your number five. My number five, uh, I have eggs. Mm. I go back and forth between eggs being disgusting and good. Like some days I'll do it and like that's gross. And other times I'm like, ooh, that was right. The egg has to be like kind of dry. If it's if, if it's a well-cooked eggs though, it's not that great. Okay, what do you think is the hardest breakfast food to get right? Eggs, pancakes, waffles. It's hard to mess it up, but it's really hard to get it like, oh, those were good. Usually Probably it's eggs. about average. You think eggs? Eggs. Eggs are hard because pancakes and waffles, there's basically only one way to make them. Eggs, you know, you can go. I mean, there's a multitude of ways that you can make eggs. I And listen, don't come over to my fucking house and say, like, if I'm offering eggs and say, oh, I like them over easy or I like them poached, you're getting them the way I'm making them. All right. First of all, you're only making them one way, which is scrambled. I don't even know how to make them another way. Besides, like, hard-boiled, because you just stick them in there. I mean, I don't know how to make <laughs> eggs over easy or anything anything else besides scrambled and hard-boiled. Because this is I mean, America. I, I mean, I, we'll leave it at that. It is America. Fuck this yeah. is America, and we scramble our eggs. <laughs> Maybe sometimes then- we devil them, but that's it. That's a that's a good quote for the for the for the video at the end of the week. Uh, what's your number five? I'll keep that up. Uh, hash browns. Okay. Now, do you have other forms of potatoes on the list, or is, are you just clumping them? Yeah, all of into course. One? Okay. All right. I, no. Just asking. Calm Come down. on. Calm down. It's ridiculous. Man. It's a foolish question. Okay. What's your number four uh, then? Uh, barbecue. You put ketchup on barbecue? Yeah, I mean, sometimes. I mean, obviously, it, they're, it, when it's called for it, yes. But yeah, it's it can be a good substitute. It can be also just good on, on some barbecue. You are a man who has made no secret of the fact that you love smoking meat. I feel like that that is not acceptable in the barbecue community. And as someone who styles themselves as a chef and someone who knows about good food, I think the idea that you're putting ketchup on barbecue is kind of exposes I, you as being a poser. I agree. Listen, I'm. It's fine, but don't knock until you try it, kind of thing. I I get it. it. Goes against everything barbecue, and we've had people on here that have said that about barbecue in things in different sauces and you know blah blah blah. But it, it's it's not terrible. I'll say that. I think what this ultimately means is that you're not as good of a barbecue chef as you think that you are and you have to use ketchup to cover up your bad flavors <laughs> what's your number four oh it's not, not a denial it's not, not a even deni- dignifying that statement <laughs> yeah. with a with a rebuttal chicken nuggets fucking okay. love chicken nuggets see i i thought about putting that on there actually as my number four uh but 
if I'm going to eat chicken nuggets, I usually eat them with anything other than ketchup. But ketchup is still the king of sauces for the chicken nugget. I'm agreeing with you that I can go honey Dijon, I can go barbecue, I can go ranch, I can go blue cheese. But I'm still going to come back to ketchup as the king. I mean, give me straight mayo instead of ketchup for chicken Ew. nuggets somewhere, right? You're putting mayonnaise on chicken nuggets? I just dip it a little bit, man. You ever have, have mayo chup or whatever it's called? Mayo and ketchup mixed? Yeah, man. It's called like McDonald's secret sauce. It's all <laughs> okay. it is. Whatever. Well, Heinz sells that as mayo chup. So. What do they call it? Mayo chup. It's mayo and ketchup mixed. Ketchup. I guess mayo chup is probably... They probably tried out the various different blending of the names and came up with that one as the best one. Uh, what number are we on? Uh, my number, number three. three, and here we go, because like I said, I think there's only three options, so it'd be interesting to see where we put them. Uh, so my number three, I have hamburgers. Hmm. Okay, that's my number three as well, which okay. then leads into what probably is your number two, which is... Which is french fries. What? As number two, you're going to put French fries as number two? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to switch it up here. I'm going to, you know, French fries to me are kind of like chicken nuggets in a way. Um, ketchup, obviously, superior dipping sauce. But I might, I might do ketchup 40%, throw some mustard in there, mayo, mayo chup, barbecue sauce. As for my number one, like, there's really only two toppings that you can put on it in terms of like, you know, sauces. Well, that's not true. If it's yours the same, like my number two is hot dog. And my number one is hot dog. Well, what are the two? You can put wait, and my number one is French fries, which I think French fries are the dominant. You can't have French fries without ketchup. It's got to be there on the plate. No, see, I, I was trying to think out of, out of those three hamburgers, hot dogs and French fries, which one cannot like cannot live without ketchup and a hot dog to me is the one item out of those three that you need to have ketchup for i just i would i think french fries is the one item you have to have ketchup for i can go i can do a hot dog with just mustard i bet you can (laughs) what's in your honorable mentions well so like like i said i have chicken nuggets uh obviously um even though I, I feel like I should have put them on the list, but it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, really, any kind of potato other than French fries, like hash browns, um, waffle fries, just anything other than regular fries. Um, uh, I think one of I think this would be on other people's lists. Uh, meatloaf. Oh yeah, I do that. I put but, ketchup on meatloaf, but I don't eat meatloaf, so it is what it is. Um, onion rings. And uh, oh, yeah, it. I and, well, see... I wrote down bologna, but then I scratched it out. But like bologna sandwiches. But OK, I'm going to run down a list of things and you just give okay. me a yes or a no. All right. Breakfast burrito. Is it OK? Like, am I saying if it's if I think it's OK or if it should be on a list? Just yes. Smash or pass. OK, uh, pass. Oh, I think I would accept that. I'd smash. Hot dogs, corn dogs, yes, obviously. Egg rolls. No. Fried rice. No. Grilled cheese strips. Could be good. Maybe. Right. That's a that's a 
hard maybe, but like, ooh, maybe that's good and I just don't know it. Um, tacos? No. Gyros, gyros, heroes. No, what list are you looking at? I'm just looking at something on the internet, man. Just yes or no. No. Yeah, that's a that's that's a no. Dumplings. No. Soft pretzels. Maybe. Yeah. I'm gonna go with cheese and mustard first, but ketchup could be a good third. Yeah, I could see ketchup being a third. Now, what do you like more, the blend of ketchup and mayonnaise or ketchup and mustard? Ketchup and mayonnaise. Yeah, it is actually better. I've never tried a triple. I've never tried ketchup, mayonnaise, and mustard, though, together. Oh, I'm, I have, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah. yeah. Jalapeno poppers. Meats. Uh, no. Potato skins? Well, yes, potatoes. Yeah, potato skins, yep. Okay, let me see if there's anything else on this list really quick. Oh, mozzarella sticks. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Fuck out of here with that. 100 foods to eat with ketchup. Oh, Maxim has a whole article about it. That seems a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Fried chicken? I don't Maybe. Fried shrimp? Yeah, I feel like you're going to use uh, cocktail sauce instead. How about fish? Fish no. and ketchup. Uh, no. Oh, this article, corn dogs and mini corn dogs. Don't put corn dogs and then mini corn dogs like these are two different things that I'm supposed to be. <sighs> no. Quiche? Soup pancakes? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's that's fucking crazy. Cottage cheese? Hmm. Mac and cheese. I've heard. I have heard of that. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that, though. Polenta. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Pork and beans? I could see a little bit. Not like drenching it. Some people I have heard that do put ketchup on spaghetti. I've heard that's popular. Yeah, I've all yeah. I also have, but I don't I don't follow that at all. How about or chili? Ever, ever. How about chili? No. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I wanna thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review, a like on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube if you wanna actually watch the conversations. I think that sometimes there is certainly you know, audio tells the story, but I think there are some things that video adds to it as well. And that's why we've started putting more of our episodes and some episode clips up on YouTube as well. So check it out. I don't know. I think John's right. Like the top three are going to be pretty hard to mess with of hamburgers, hot dogs, and french fries. But there might be some other stuff there that we're missing. I mean, tater tots. I don't know if that counts as a french fry or not. Potato tots, that should be up there. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.